Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. You know, we are at an inflection point, I believe, in the world economy. Not just the world economy, in the world. It occurs every three or four generations. As one of the the top military people said to me in a secure meeting the other day, 60, 60 million people died between 1900 and 1946. And uh, since then, we established a liberal world order, and that hadn't happened in a long while. A lot of people dying, but nowhere near the chaos. And now is a time when things are shifting. We're going to going to be a new world order out there, and we've got to lead it. And we've got to unite the rest of the free world in doing it. So anyway. So Joe Biden, did he say the quiet part out loud? Was that a gaffe or was that on purpose? We're going to talk about that today as uh, we've been really not only speculating, but we've been looking at Bible prophecy as well and talking about the globalist push, the New World Order. And uh, we are also going to talk about today how a large majority of Americans believe that the country's moral compass is pointed in the wrong direction. But what is their standard for that moral compass? We'll talk about that. Plus, um, the global agenda against Christianity and capitalism in the U.S. How does that play in? To what's happening today, and we're going to examine how America now, we find ourselves in a place, in a time, when leaders of the nation, influencers, and a Supreme Court nominee refuse to define what a woman is, what a man is, denying not only God, but truth itself. Uh, Today's guest, author and senior pastor of Fair Park Bible Fellowship in Texas, Stefan Broden. He's a political commentator and founder of Protect Life and Marriage Texas. He's the co-founder of the National Black Pro-Life Coalition, former professor, executive director of the Content of Character series. We'll put that link in today's podcast notes at StandUpForTheTruth.com. He was also featured in the 2020 documentary, Uncle Tom, an oral history of the black American conservative. Stefan Broden, thank you so much for coming back on the podcast. It's a pleasure to be with you. Well, thank you for your time and all the things that you've been active, uh, actively doing, and we appreciate your work and your voice of truth and reason and sanity. <laughs> but uh, let's start with that clip we played right at the beginning, and um Joe Biden says there's going to be a new world order out there. We have been saying that. We know that. But here's what he said right after that. He says, we've got to lead it. We, meaning America, the United States, we're driving in that direction. Just your thoughts on those comments. Uh, It's an extraordinary admission to the fact that there is an agenda. And that agenda is one that has been crafted and developed by the power elite in the earth. Uh, It has always been their plan uh, from the time that the United Nations were formed uh, to push for a world government, a one world government. And uh, some of the comments that we have seen over the years sort of point us in that direction. Uh, There's a comment by uh, a gentleman by the name of Brock Chisholm, who I think was the first World Health Organization's uh, director Uh, He said this, to achieve a world government, it is necessary to remove from the minds of men their individualism, loyalty to family tradition, national patriotism, and religious dogma. Uh, He said that back in the 1940s, and what we're seeing exercised today is his idea of what is required in order for us to achieve one world government. Uh, This is something that has been coming at us for a very long time. I think we're right at the apex uh, of its uh, implementation. And, uh, of course, America plays a strategic role in that it is uh, the single superpower right now, and it cannot be, according to some of the elite, it cannot be a single superpower. So they're looking to um, 
expand that designation to a number of other countries that will uh, nullify or mitigate that title among us and uh, and pursue this this one world agenda yeah you know who klaus schwab is klaus yeah. schwab is the president of the world economic forum uh, he has announced to, to us that this pandemic represents a rare but narrow window of opportunity to reflect, reimagine, and reset our world. And so they're using crises as a means by which to establish the new world order. Mm. We see that happening. Yes. And it is not something that should catch us by surprise, if we're paying attention at all, that these people have been pushing in this direction for a very long time. And we have witnessed it and have experienced it, uh, at least the announcement of it, by some of our top leaders, mm-hmm. George Bush, uh, Bill Clinton, uh, Barack Obama, now Joe Biden, is announcing that we're moving in that direction. I believe, honestly, that they believe they're at the point where they can flip it to make it happen. Mm. And part of the flipping of it is to um, uh, reshape our economy, mm-hmm. to uh, put pressure on our economy, in order to flip this nation into a socialistic paradigm, which is their agenda in order to make the world uh, system happen. Exactly. I've got a great quote from Thomas Sowell I want to share in just a minute, but we'll, maybe we'll talk about a few of the predictions for 2030, according to the World Economic Forum. And uh, you mentioned the economy. Um, Biden said, you know, we are at an inflection point, I believe, in the world economy, not just the world economy, but in the world. Now, he also said, and I think you commented on this uh, after his State of the Union address, he said, I miss this. Apparently, he said something like, we have the best economy we've had in 40 years. And you asked the question, what is Biden selling us? Prices are going up. Shelves in most stores are thin of products. And uh, you say false hope is not hope at all. Share your thoughts on how they are trying to do this in part through weakening the American economy. Well, what you're seeing uh, playing out in the public square, and particularly from our government, is a deception that is far and wide. Uh, They are deceiving us. They believe if you tell a lie long enough, people will believe it. And they do. And they have been lying to us. Mm Mm-hmm. But those of us who are in the body of Christ recognize that this is a deluding spirit that has been identified as something that will happen during the last days. And we're experiencing that right now, uh, that they are deceiving us. And uh, we're seeing people struggle right now to have jobs and maintain jobs. The economy is in trouble. The um, production, uh, or rather the delivery of of produce to grocery stores and to stores have been severely impacted by the uh, what's happening offshore with all these ships that are standing offshore with all these products mm-hmm. and are not coming on board because uh, of some regulatory uh, expectations that are stopping them from doing that. We are experiencing a kind of crisis and a lying from our government that is producing, I think, a lot of fear. Uh, there was a an economist by the name of Frederick von Hayek. You probably know that name. Uh, he said something back in the middle of the 20th century. He said emergencies have always been the pretext hmm. on which the safeguard of individual liberty had been eroded. The hmm. safeguard where individual liberty has been eroded. Emergencies. Now, emergencies translate into the 21st century as crises. Right. And you remember what uh, Rahm Emanuel said about that. <laughs> yes. That you never want a serious crisis to go to waste. It provides an opportunity to do the things that you were not able to do before. Isn't that interesting? Yes. So Hayek, Hayek says emergency. Rahm says crises. They're the same thing. And they're designed to do what? Erode individual liberty and that's precisely what we are experiencing right now yes Uh, if you recall there's uh, two professors out of columbia university cloward and piven you probably know that name that's right Uh, cloward and piven had a theory called manufactured crises 
or orchestrated crises. Isn't that interesting that they call it manufactured? It is a created crisis. Yes. Orchestrated by the left to achieve a, a purpose, and their purpose is to undermine our Constitution and to distort and rob us of our religious liberty. And that's what's happening in America right now. And that's why we're in the mess that we're in. They have deceived us into believing human secularism as the predominant philosophy of influence in the public square. And human secularism is influenced by socialism. That's right. And we're going to talk about that and also the shift and what's happening where cultural Marxism is concerned. You have a lot of wisdom to share with our listeners on that. We'll talk about that when we mention the Supreme Court nominee not being able to define woman. And for those of you not uh, paying attention, that actually did happen. Um, So they've used the COVID crisis. They never let a crisis go to waste. And they've been pushing this agenda. And Biden said now is a time when things are shifting. But we're going back just to the beginning of 2020 when COVID hit. They've used that to forcefully take control, mandates and, and policies, executive orders, and they've used this to cause things to shift. Isn't that right? Certainly, certainly. I, I think your observation is correct. We are in the midst of a manipulation, a manipulation based upon the fear that is predominant in the public square right now. Most Americans are afraid, afraid of COVID, afraid of a, a bad economy, losing their jobs, being unable to uh, pay their bills or have food on the shelf. And so fear is a an extreme uh, response uh, on the part of Americans, which oftentimes if we're operating in fear, we're not using our rational minds. The Bible says, I did not give you a spirit of fear, but of love and a sound mind. A sound mind is a rational mind that's thinking through options and alternatives as opposed to being frightened to the point where they're listening to anyone right. who is offering a solution uh, to the crises that we're facing. And in this case, those who are offering a solution are those who are creating the crises. So the solution that they offer is something that is quite different from uh, the nomenclature and what has been the usual practice in the culture. So we're seeing a flip, a change, and that has always been their design. Right from the start with Antonio Grimsey, who uh, did an analysis of classical Marxism and said classical Marxism, which is an economic system, will not work in overthrowing America mm-hmm. <coughs> or overthrowing the West. And so they created what is called cultural Marxism that takes a different approach. It approaches the culture and those institutions that most influence the culture. And as I uh, have said over and again, that all of the major institutions that influence us today are under the influence of socialism right now. Antonio Grimsey came up with cultural Marxism. Cultural Marxism came to America as political correctness. Mm-hmm. Think about that. And everybody wants to be politically correct. Well, as we are being politically correct, we are advancing a cultural agenda a Marxist agenda that is evidencing itself in academia, major media, the arts, the government, the family, the church, and in corporations. I'm sure you have seen these commercials by Nike and and uh, Adidas yes. who are affirming transgenderism and mm. affirming uh, women who are pretending to be men and men who are pretending to be women. Uh, this is something that the, the corporations have embraced, and they're pushing it out into the culture, and they do have an influence on us, just like all those other institutions I, I mentioned. Now, when I mention the church, I want to stop here and make a distinction between the cultural church and the biblical church. The biblical church is uh, are those who believe in the inerrant, infallible, inspired Word of God. The cultural church are those who are playing political correctness and have bowed their knee to tolerance, have bowed their knee to tolerance, and they have mitigated, marginalized, and negated their stewardship responsibility to advance the kingdom of God by sharing the gospel and making disciples. Uh, They are more 
they're concerned about appeasing the culture. That's right. Than advancing the kingdom. So there's a distinction here. When I say the church, I'm not talking about the biblical church. I'm talking about that cultural church, which, by the way, is is a dominant uh, influence. And uh, the biblical church is a remnant. Amen. A small remnant. Yep. Amen. That's the word that we use around here quite often, remnant, true believers in Jesus Christ. And you said something about tolerance, which has been just redefined to mean something that it didn't originally mean. The great John Wesley once said, what one generation tolerates, the next generation will embrace. And man, have we ever seen that in America. That, that, and, was, that was Woodrow Wilson that said that. Oh, he did? Okay. Right. Woodrow, Woodrow Wilson back in 1887 said that. And uh, what he said was this, what one generation would resist, but eventually accept, the next generation will accept it because their parents did. Mm. And the next generation would just uh, operate under the assumption that it has always been that way. He did that in uh, what is called the Political Science Quarterly in 1887. Wow. That's amazing. So uh, we've talked a little bit about the Great Reset, the World Economic Forum, and we won't have time today to go through all these. For our newer listeners, maybe that haven't been tracking with this, there are a couple things that should be concerning to us. They're listing out their goals for the year 2030, and a couple of the goals I just want to point out. You'll own nothing and be happy. That means private property is gone. They say the U.S. won't be the world's superpower. So this is a goal or prediction for the World Economic Forum for 2030, which is, by the way, less than eight years away. So these this year, these predictions, this is getting closer. So a lot of us years ago, Stephen Broden, would have read this list and thought, boy, that's grandiose, that's sensational, that's, this is a pipe dream. They're not going to ever accomplish that. But here we are getting closer and closer because of what's happened, particularly in the last couple of years. Well, absolutely. I, uh, their goal is to redefine the economy and redefine the culture into the definitions that they have constructed. And uh, they believe that, um, that we should own nothing <laughs> and that we should be participants in their uh, economy and that they will be continue to be the masters by sitting at the top of the pyramid and defining for us our cultural relationships, what a man is, what a woman is, uh, whether we have uh, we own anything. They would own it all. Uh, this is something that is very sinister and dark, but it is something that the Bible warns us about and tells us that there it will indeed be a one-world government. There's no question about it. The Bible said it will happen. Uh, however, when that happens, those of us who belong to Christ will be out of here. So the only way that that's going to happen is that the Holy Spirit will take us out mm. through what is called the rapture, and then the 70th week of Daniel will take place, and that will be three and a half years of a false peace, and then the three and a half years of the great pouring out of God's wrath upon mm. the earth. Mm -hmm. And at the end of that period, Christ will return and establish his millennial kingdom, his millennial rule here on this earth. So things are happening as God has defined. And one of the things that you and I must do is to take a 50,000-foot view of what's happening, mm -hmm. uh, looking at Genesis to Revelation and seeing that God has a purpose, and all things are working towards fulfilling the purpose of God. Even the negative, even the negative, even this, this whole thing about one-world government, that fits in God's program. It fits into His plan. And we as Christians know the plan because he has rendered us to know that. Remember in, in Matthew, he says, it has been granted to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom, but not to them. Hmm. We know the mysteries of the kingdom because we have the revelation, 66 books, 40 different authors that define and represent the purposes of God for those of us who are in the body of Christ. So we're not fearful about what's happening, nor are we uh, in anxiety about it. What we're seeing is that God's purposes are being fulfilled. We will go to a one-world government. Mm -hmm. That's going to happen. And part of that means that America is going to have to, to come down. And right now we're seeing her slip off of her throne into the abyss of one-world government. 
and to the abyss of a, a strategy that was crafted and developed in the satanic plans of the ages. That's right. We've got to take a break already. We're with Stefan Broden right now, author and pastor. He's from Texas. He's got a lot of great organizations he's working with down there, and we're trying to just continue to wake up the remnant and encourage people who are Bible-believing Christians to engage, to raise awareness about what's happening, and then try to work against resist evil. When we come back, we're going to talk about how the Supreme Court nominee the Biden selected refused to define what a woman is, that and more on Stand Up For The Truth next. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Today, we are blessed to have back with us author and pastor Stefan Broden from Fair Park Bible Fellowship in Texas. And by the way, I didn't mention your book, and we've, we've got to mention uh, your book. Uh, where, where was it, Stefan? Would you remind me of the name of the book? Pawns of Change. Yes, How the Pawns of Change. Progressive movement have exploited the blacks in America. Pawns of Change. Also, I want to give you an opportunity to mention briefly the content of character series. People can find out a lot more about that on the website, but you briefly uh, share you're the executive director of the content of character. Right, content of character series.com. That's where you can find our, our website, our webpage, where we talk about what we're trying to do in these last days is to provide information, education, and activation. Information ask and answers the question, what's going on? Education ask and answers the question, why it's happening? And then activation can only happen when those two questions are answered. And most Americans are oblivious to the strategy and the plot to undermine our Constitution and to destroy our religious liberty. And so we're attempting to try to bring that information to through education forums in churches and community centers and wherever people invite us. Uh, we'll come and show up and put on a one-day seminar or a forum of education on these current events and issues and what we can do as believers to push back and patriots push back this effort to undermine our Constitution and to destroy our religious liberty. Amen, brother. Thank you so much. Content of character. I think I remember uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Jr. saying something about the content of character being important. Um, let's see. Uh, I want to go over now briefly and talk about Uncle Tom. It was a documentary that came out a couple of years ago. You participated in that. And uh, this is kind of a piggybacking off your subtitle, from your book, Ponds of Change. I like that. It's the exploitation of black Americans by progressive liberals. And I want to get your response to Thomas Sowell. He also participated in Uncle Tom, which is available online, and you can order that. But he said, no government of the left has done has as much for the poor as capitalism has. Even when it comes to the redistribution of income, the left talks the talk, but the free market walks the walk. The political left has long had a remarkable lack of interest in how wealth is created. As far as they are concerned, wealth exists somehow, and the only interesting question is how to redistribute it. Stefan Broden, your thoughts on that quote from the Uncle Tom documentary. Uh, what a precise representation of the distinction between capitalism and socialism. Uh, he has made it very clear, uh, and as we see... Uh, the exploitation of the black community by the progressives who are the Democratic Party. They make a bunch of promises, but when we look at their what they have produced over 50 years of blacks giving their vote to them, nothing has changed in our community. Economic development is not there. Uh, education of our children is not there. And crime is still out of control in our community. And they represent the leadership in our community. They're mm -hmm. not interested in addressing those issues. They're interested in only one thing, getting into the seat of power and then beginning to craft laws and legislation that will advance their agenda. Mm -hmm. This is something that we see taking place uh, and it has been taking place. We need to know that this is an exploitation of our vote, of our franchise, and they use the hypersensitivity of our community on issues of injustice and racism. And we get sucked into their narrative each and every time as they bring those issues up. 
it's time out for us mm-hmm. uh, listening to voices that are deceiving us and manipulating us and exploiting us for their agenda. And their agenda is clear to undermine our Constitution and to destroy our religious liberty. That's right. And by the way, you can see the trailer if you haven't heard about the Uncle Tom history, the documentary of the American Black Conservative. It's at UncleTom.com. And I understand they're working on uh, producing part two. Uh, Stefan Broden, you say the Christian voice has been marginalized, negated, diminished, and canceled. All the major institutions that influence us in America are controlled and influenced by cultural Marxism. And that, and I agree with you completely, we talk about the major institutions and influencers, and that leads us to, well, and I'll let you comment on that a little bit before we get to the Supreme Court nominee and how cultural Marxism has played into this, really this circus we have now when it comes to uh, nominating justices. And just share your thoughts on, on the major influence in America that the left has now over all the institutions. Right. Um, well, it didn't happen overnight. It happens through the strategy of infiltration and gradualism, the mm. long march towards socialism. And it's been coming at us for a very long time. I think it has reached its apex in terms of its influence and its ability to uh, radically change our cultural uh, practices through several um, ideas that they pushed out into the public through a critical theory, which is a social theory oriented towards critiquing and changing society as a whole. That's critical theory, which is birthed in uh, the Harvard School of Law. Out of critical theory comes critical race theory, which is dividing us and uh, causing a, a kind of contention in the public square. Then cultural Marxism, which is political correctness, liberation theology, intersectionality, cancel culture, Mm. all are Marxist constructs designed to create chaos and division and to change us. Mm. When you look at the moral condition of America, where we have embraced same-sex marriage, we have embraced murdering our children through abortion Mm -hmm. and made it legal, sodomy is legal in America, We have embraced gender fluidity and have made transgenderism a protected class. We have changed. Our moral compass is not only broken, it has been destroyed. And it's been through these theories and ideas that have permeated our culture. Critical theory, cultural Marxism, liberation theology, intersectionality, cancel culture, and critical race theory have contributed greatly to the demise of our nation Mm. and the moral Uh, adjustment from that which is morally right from a biblical perspective to that which is morally wrong from a biblical perspective. We are an immoral nation right Mm -hmm. now. That's right. Um, Secular progressives drive it. Cultural Marxism rules the day, and that leads to a new survey that came out where a large majority of Americans believe the country's moral compass, compass is pointed in the wrong direction. But I'm wondering, Stefan Broden, if they even understand how to get to that, to draw that conclusion, what is morality? Because it's defined differently. But anyway, 72% of Americans believe the nation's moral compass is in the wrong direction. But at the same time, only 40% say they attend religious services at least once or twice a month. There seems to be a disconnect here, doesn't there? That, that 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 certainly speaks to a disconnect. Doesn't it? <laughs> they know something's wrong, but they can't put their finger on That's it, right. and they don't go to the one place where morality is defined: mm-hmm. the Bible, sixty-six yeah. books, forty different authors, representing the mind and purpose of God. It's interesting. They mention things that influence them above the Bible, and that would be uh, family, the rule of law, their friends. And uh, it's just sad, though, that when you see this, people can't even recognize their own contradictions, and they can't—they don't understand why um, they believe a certain thing and know something's going in the wrong direction or something's—but they can't explain it. Uh, that takes us to what I wanted to ask your opinion on, and the brand-new uh, Supreme Court nominee. Her name is Katenji Brown-Jackson, 
and uh, she returned for a third day of uh, hearings yesterday. And I'll tell you what, there's so many articles I've glanced at, Stefan, uh, outrage after she says she can't define the word woman. Um, she literally said that, friends, I'm not making this up. She, she, was, she said, uh, she was asked, can you provide a definition for the word woman? Because this is going to influence how she's going to respond to these cases having to do with transgenderism and protecting women and girls. Uh, she said, no, I can't. Uh, one of the things she said is, I'm not a biologist. So I think we have an idea where she is going to come down on these rulings, where th- it's a perfect illustration where progressive ideology has taken us when a Supreme Court nominee won't admit the most basic of truths. Stefan Broden, your thoughts on that bizarre exchange? Well, uh, I think that's a clear representation of the influence of political correctness on the uh, minds of our nation and on the minds of our leadership. They're more concerned about being politically correct than being biblically correct or constitutionally correct. So what's driving the day in America is political correctness. And if you recall what I said, cultural Marxism and political correctness are one and the same. Mm. And in order for cultural Marxism to be successful, they must uh, remove the Christian influence from the public square. And what you have seen in that response is the effective removal of the definitions of Scripture as it relates to men and women. Uh, and so we're not looking for this uh, to take place in America. It has already taken place. And this woman will rule out of a socialistic Marxist context in order to facilitate their goal of flipping America. She is a Marxist. Mm-hmm. Her definitions are defined through critical theory, to which she was trained in at Harvard University. And that's why she is soft on pedophilia. Mm -hmm. I told my daughter, who's a lawyer, that said, I do not trust this woman with the judgment to protect our children when it comes to pedophilia and sexual perversion. She will rule in favor of the victor, uh, of the one who is causing uh, the problem, the victim and the victimizer. The victimizer. She will rule in favor of the victimizer. And she has proven that. Over the years, when mm-hmm. you look at her rulings on pedophilia and those who caught in it, she is soft as a marshmallow. Mm-hmm. Uh, you talk about uh, content of character for, for her, and for now it seems character isn't even an issue, but judicial philosophy is. She struggled with questions on child pornography and abortion, which is a topic that we and you are very passionate about. She was vague when she was asked by Senator John Kennedy from Louisiana, when does life begin, in your opinion? Jackson, the Supreme Court nominee, answers, Senator, I don't know. And she went a little further. She says, I have personal, religious, and otherwise beliefs that have nothing to do with the law in terms of when life begins. This is a problem. It's almost as if we've learned nothing since 1973 Roe v. Wade. We don't have technology, sonograms, ultrasound. We don't have any science on what happens in a mother's womb. Your thoughts on that? Uh, This is a dangerous nominee. This is a dangerous nominee. Hmm. Um, She has taken the political correct position. And that means when she gets in there, she'll rule yep. out of the left. That's what it means. And uh, and these nebulous, non-definitive answers ought to be a disqualifier for her. Hmm. But it proves to be a qualifier because we know Lindsey Graham and his crowd will vote for her. Yes. Um, you know what? It's sad. I remember the Cecile, forget her name, she used to be the president of Planned Parenthood. She was grilled in a session when they were going through their court cases, and she was grilled on when life begins, and she said, I don't know, the same thing. So uh, then uh, she was pushed in another session, and she finally said, okay, when does life begin? When, when, a, when a baby is delivered, she says. So at the point of delivery, outside the womb. And so this is the, the nonsense we have to deal with today, but 
people are frustrated, particularly Bible-believing Christians, Stefan Broden, because it's there's judicial tyranny now today, and these are unelected offices, and it seems like whoever's in power gets to select who's going to be deciding these major cases for years to come. What can we do about this at this point? Well, I do believe that there's a constitutional solution. Um, when governments become destructive to that end, it is the right of the government to alter or abolish it. Uh, if we cannot get control of this, the option is to tear it down and start again and rebuild it into what we want it to be. Uh, I think one of the solutions that we have is that we need to return back to the founding principles that made this nation great. It was Mark Levin in his book called Liberty and Tyranny who said these words, that the remedy to tyranny is conservatism precisely because its principles are the founding principles. And I say, aha, there is the victory, hmm. returning back to our founding principles. But I would submit to you most Americans are unfamiliar with them the Matthew Spaulding in his book, titled We Still Hold These Truths, said that there are ten, and if you have time, I'll list them, liberty, equality, natural rights, consent of the government, religious freedom, private property, the rule of law, constitutionalism, self-government, and independence. Our nation was launched on those values Amen. as they were processed through the Judeo-Christian ethic, because those principles can be used, and they can use outside of the Judeo-Christian principle, but ours was processed through the Judeo-Christian principle. That's why uh, Adams said this, uh, I think it was John Adams who said this, that our Constitution was written for a moral people. It is totally inadequate for any other practice, wow. meaning that because we are Christians, we can operate the Constitution. Mm. We need to return to these principles. We need to return to these principles. That's the answer. So you and I, you as you have your platform and as I have my platform, is to reorient and recalibrate America through those principles Amen. using our Judeo-Christian ethic. Amen. Stefan Broden, thank you so much for your time today. It's going to take a lot of work for us, um, those who are still willing to fight the good fight of faith and, and try to resist the onslaught of evil. And we can call it evil because these are demonic agendas. But God is not finished with us. If we are still here, we have the Holy Spirit in us. The restrainer has not been removed, and we still can make a, a difference and have influence. We appreciate your time. We're going to definitely catch up with you again in the near future. God bless you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. When we come back, we're going to be talking about another article that we uh, need to look at some Old Testament history on how America should have learned from Israel and that it just takes one generation to fall. And we'll also address the double standards, not just from the media, but did you notice any protests for the Supreme Court hearings? There are none. Why? That and more next on Stand Up For The Truth. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. So in the question of how we got here to this point in America, this point in time uh, with this moral confusion, I want to point to a word that Stefan Broden used, gradualism. And the definition of gradualism is the policy of approaching a desired end by gradual stages. Now, in order to do this, you've got to be very patient with your agenda. We, <laughs> we generally are not that patient in things we want to get done, but the left, uh, the demonic entities that have been working through these major institutions in America over time have been very patient. It was a brilliant, evil strategy, but brilliant strategy, and uh, he mentioned uh, Antonio Gramsci, um, an Italian Marxist, which uh, thought about the the long progressive march through the major institutions in America. But I want to point out something, one more thing on the Supreme Court nominee, uh, Ms. Jackson. Um, she was grilled in the last couple of days by Republicans, knowing that she's going to get confirmed. Um, yeah, I, it's, I can't see any way that she won't. I hope I'm wrong, 
But most people speculate that she'll get confirmed. And Biden just picked her because she was black, she was a woman, and she's a leftist. So she was questioned on the sentences that she handed down to sex offenders over nine years of being a federal judge. And these were light sentences on sex offenders. Also, she was questioned about her advocacy on behalf of terror suspects at Guantanamo Bay and her thoughts on critical race theory. She was also questioned about her child pornography cases where the sentences were lighter than the federal guidelines recommended. So federal guidelines are loose enough, and now she, when she hands down sentences to a uh, someone involved with child porn, they were lighter than what they needed to be. Anyway, these are, there's a lot of concerns. What's done is done. She's nominated. She will probably get confirmed, sadly. And one other point I want to make is about the double standard. And I want to read from Tony Perkins over at the Family Research Council. And uh, he said, reporters walking into the Senate Judiciary, Judiciary Committee for the first round of Katanji Brown-Jackson hearings must have wondered if they were lost. (laughs) Listen to this. There were no protesters, no handmaidens, no overwhelming presence of Capitol Police. But four years ago, in the disgrace that was Brett Kavanaugh's Supreme Court justice hearing, there were 22 arrests before 11 a.m. on the first day. Two years later, on Amy Coney Barrett's first day of the Supreme Court Uh, hearing 21 people were handcuffed before the session even started. Without the left's screaming tantrums and constant disruptions against a Republican nominee, it hardly feels like a modern Supreme Court confirmation debate. And friends, some of us are tired of the double standards. Tired of it. There's no radical protests and upheaval and, and violence and people getting arrested because someone is being confirmed or or there is even a debate on a nomination to the Supreme Court. But when it's the left that gets nominated, we we don't use the same tactics. And that's very rarely looked, I don't believe that's addressed often enough, this dangerous time when we've accepted these double standards. So it's just something that makes me just incredibly upset, but this is where we are today. All we can do is raise awareness about it and point to it, because there's a lot of hypocrisy involved. One more point before we get to this article, looking at the Old Testament, and are there parallels even in uh, Revelation or the Old Testament with uh, in Scripture with you know America? Not that America was in mind at all when they wrote the Bible, but there are some parallels. Um, before we get to that, when you hear the words the West or Western values, that's more appropriate. When you hear Western values and when it's someone on the left, when it's someone who uh, is talking about them not in a positive sense, but Western values, they mean biblical values. This is what they're attacking. They want to change these Western values. You can almost interchange that word with biblical when you're talking about Western. Just keep that in mind when you're hearing these debates in culture and how America or North America or the West needs to change and and uh, progress and whatever. So Western values, they, they really mean biblical values, but you can't say that you would offend more people if you said, we need to change and, and update some of these old Western values. If they said biblical values, I think they would get a little bit more pushback, probably not a lot. So America should have learned from Israel, and it just takes a generation for a decline in biblical morality. It takes a generation to then become a falling away which is then a rebellion against God. Um, one thing we know about human nature and history is that people rarely learn from history. <laughs> and it's easy to take so much for granted. So let's look at some history. First of all, a possible parallel, friends. I think you would agree with this, maybe. As a nation, um, there are some striking parallels in Scripture between the United States and Israel, between churches today the American church, and the early Christian churches. One of those parallels, I believe, is how the American church today resembles the church at Laodicea. In Revelation chapter 3, the second half, I believe, of Revelation chapter 3, when Jesus rebuked early Christians 
in that church for being lukewarm. I've often asked the question, what would he say to America today, to American Christians today? And I think you know the answer to that to some degree. Would he commend us or would he rebuke us? Um, That's up for another conversation. But another example, and this is what I want to discuss, comes from the generation of Joshua. Now, it took time to happen, but several things are clear particularly in the book of Judges, right after the book of Joshua. And the children of Israel were disobedient to the Lord their God. He rebuked them severely, gave them over to the consequences of their choices. You can read a little bit of that in Romans 1. Uh, Their godly leader died, you know, Joshua died, and then they served other gods. This is what it, you know, talks about in the beginning of the book of Judges. But before citing these verses in context from the Bible, and you're going to hear, um, I'm going to quote Judges chapter 2. Listen to this. I want to paint a picture of the moral and cultural decline in America and use thoughts and and kind of paraphrase what Judges chapter 2 says. And then I'm going to read it to you, and you're going to go, wow, some interesting similarities between ancient Israel and America today. So here's what I would say possibly we could sum up And you could do this in many ways, but just bear with me. When religious freedom was achieved and the Bible was our guide, the nation prospered in nearly every way. But as people placed happiness over holiness, other generations arose who did not know the Lord Jesus or how he had blessed America. Then the people did evil in the sight of the Lord and served other gods, such as comfort, Self, money, politics, entertainment, sex, abortion. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers who had once delivered them from the Church of England. They allowed him to be banned from their schools and from the public square. And the people followed other gods, bowing down to them and provoking the Lord to anger. Now, that's just a paraphrase of kind of where we're at and and how some would say that God has already begun his judgment on America. Uh, That's up for debate and speculation. But now, when we conform to the world, here's a point, and when we allow our faith to become lukewarm, which naturally happens, um, we're much less concerned about obedience to God. We can still be saved, but we're basically ineffective and unproductive salt and light as well as terrible witnesses. But Jesus cautioned his disciples about seeking temporary things and losing sight of the kingdom of God. We must be diligent and disciplined, set apart for Christ. We have to work hard to be intentional about living for the Lord because it's easy to become comfortable and let down our guard. So Joshua, let's talk about this now. He was a big leader, famous leader, who's recognized as a great man of God and a leader Um, some of his last words challenged the people of Israel to love the Lord and reject idolatry. He pleaded with them to serve the Lord in sincerity and truth. And he pleaded with them to put away false gods. And he challenged the people to choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. And his famous declaration of faith in Joshua 24, 15, but as for me and my house, We will serve the Lord. So now, here's how the people responded to their credit. Joshua 24, this is the end of the book of Joshua, verse 16 and 17. So the people answered and said, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God is he who brought us us and our fathers up out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who did those great signs in our sight and who preserved us. So notice that generation swore to serve the Lord God and acknowledged what he had done for them. So with all that they knew and saw, it was unthinkable for them to reject God and serve any other. This is kind of how early American pilgrims and patriots likely felt in the new land in America that they came to. They could not imagine going back to England or turning away from the God who had blessed them and brought them so far. How could they forget his faithfulness? How could their children forget? But they did. And you know how Bible history goes back to Judges chapter 2. Joshua died. um, uh, Then came the unfaithfulness of Israel. 
And in our case, a Joshua might be compared to a Washington, Lincoln, Adams, Jefferson, or perhaps Spurgeon, Edwards, Whitfield, Webster, Wesley, Tozer, or Moody. So the Bible does indicate Israel forgetting their history and falling away was gradual. One reason is the people did not educate their children to the extent necessary or warn them. And does this sound familiar? They didn't educate their kids on the spiritual truths about God, who he is, what he did for them. Sound familiar? Now, Judges chapter 2, verses 10 through 12. The people of Israel remained faithful through all the days, even of the elders who outlived Joshua. But the summary of what happened next includes some of the most sad, sobering words in all of Scripture. All that generation also were gathered to their fathers, and another generation rose up after them who did not know the Lord, nor even the work which he had done for Israel. Then the sons of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals, and they abandoned the Lord God of their fathers who had brought them out of the land of Egypt, and they followed other gods and the gods of the peoples who were around them, and bowed down to them. And so they provoked the Lord to anger. Judges 2, 10 through 12. So who is responsible, friends, for influencing the minds and hearts of younger generations regarding what they learn, what they know or don't know about God, truth, and history? Well, parents first, the family, then pastors, your religious leaders. But in reality now, hours of influence How many hours do they spend with parents and their pastors? Who teaches kids today what to think? Notice I didn't ask, who teaches kids how to think? Who teaches kids what to think? Who programs them? How about secular, progressive government educators, Hollywood, music, um, celebrities, did I say that? Social media, tech giants, and their peers. So in both cases, when you looked at America, which I explained earlier, and the Old Testament Israel, which we looked at in Judges chapter 2 a minute ago, the younger generation somehow grew up not knowing the Lord their God. The God their parents or grandparents believed in, knew, and worshipped. So it's pretty simple. Know the Lord and do good. Know not God and do evil. Uh, We'll put a link to this article at in today's podcast notes at StandUpForTheTruth.com. But some of the gods in this generation, entertainment, sports, leisure, travel, technology, iPhones, social media, happiness, world celebrities, athletes, sexuality, politics, materialism, work, career, family, houses, cars. In America, um, we have some challenges, and those challenges have seeped into the church. We're not immune from this draw toward culture and the world, world patterns of this world, which we are told do not conform to the patterns of this world. The Bible warns us. So you can look up that article. America should have learned from Israel. Um, Okay, tomorrow, we've got a brand new guest. He's got a brand new book out, Jonathan Brentner. You may have heard of him. You can get information on him on his website, jonathanbrentner.com or harbingersdaily.com. We thank them so very much for their support of the podcast. Also, make sure to check out our new gear, redpillprince.com. I've got my new shirt on. I've got the coffee mugs, hats, sweatshirts, and more, redpillprince.com. Thank you guys so much. God bless you. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.